Hey moms, welcome to this episode of the Dorenda Wilson Podcast. I'm Dorenda, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to 10, and 29-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of three books, The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, The Four-Hour School Day, How You and Your Kids Can Thrive in the Homeschool Life, and Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, 31 Days in God's Word. All three of these books you can find on Amazon, and you can also find them at my website, DorendaWilson.com. Come. Now, some of you I know are considering college uh, for your kids as they approach graduation. Um, and the question that comes to mind is, is traditional college actually worth the cost, not just financially, but spiritually? This is the question many parents are forced to face as their student prepares to leave the home. But I've got great news. My friends at XL College are changing the game in higher education by allowing students to graduate debt-free while learning to thrive in the context of a Christian community. They integrate a world-class, biblically-based, liberal arts-style curriculum with hands-on skills training so that students learn how to become wise, mature, productive adults who follow Jesus and live purposeful, fulfilling lives. You don't have to worry about your child going to college. You can rest knowing that XL College will continue the job that you started. If you want your student to learn how to build a life, not just make a living, send them to XL College. They have just a few spots left for their January cohort. Learn more at thexlcollege.com. I will leave a link in the show notes. Okay, moms, if you've been listening for any length of time, you know that I'm always encouraging uh, you to give your kids independent outside play as part of your family's daily rhythm. But today we're going to drill down on why this is so important. I have a very special guest whom I'll introduce in just a minute, but first I want to share with you one of my favorite math resources. Have you ever felt limited by grade-specific math materials? Ever wished your child could revisit earlier lessons or jump ahead when they're ready? Here's a not-so-secret gem I've come across, CTC Math, where boundaries and learning simply don't exist. With a single subscription, you gain access to, get this, all lessons across all grade levels from kindergarten right up to 12th grade. Imagine the freedom. Struggling with a concept? Jump back a grade for clarity. Ready to advance? Forge ahead. Perfect for homeschoolers, after-school tutoring, or anyone wanting to truly master at their own pace. Unlock unlimited potential with CTC Math. You can dive in today at ctcmath.com and redefine your educational journey. So as our eight kids were growing up, I made daily time outside mandatory. Now, my reasons were twofold. I needed, I needed them to be outside. And I also knew that it was an important part of their development and making sure that our kids could have that time was actually one of the top reasons that my husband and I decided to homeschool. Now, even though my mom instinct told me that it was important, I really had no idea what a positive impact it would have on our kids until they became adults. So as I read through uh, Jenny's new book, Until the Streetlights Come On, I just kept nodding my head and underlining the truths she shared. 
Getting our kids outside and giving them plenty of free playtime isn't just one of many options. It is essential to our kids' healthy development, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. So today, Jenny is joining me, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation because I think you'll be so encouraged. So Jenny is a homeschooling mother of five and founder of A Thousand Hours Outside, a global movement designed to reclaim childhood. Along with her husband, Josh, Jenny is a full-time creator and curator of the Thousand Hours Outside Lifestyle brand, which includes a robust online store, an app, and books. She also hosts the Thousand Hours Outside weekly podcast. A thought leader in the world of nature-based play and its benefits for children, Jenny lives with her family in the Ann Arbor area of Michigan. Jenny, welcome. Oh, I'm so honored to be here, Dorenda. What a treat. I always love when we get to have conversations. Me too. You've been on a couple of times before, and it's just been so much fun. We have yet to meet in real life, which we were just discussing before we started recording. (laughs) It's just so weird because we go to all these conferences and we just keep missing each other because we're not actually in the same place at the same time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're there one year and I'm there the next. uh, And I just, there was at one point where we talked about that we hadn't met. And I was like, how is it that we have not met? Right. (laughs) Yeah. It feels like we've met. (laughs) It does. It really does. Okay. So I, you notice I didn't say your last name because I forgot to ask you before we started recording. How do you pronounce your last name? (laughs) Yes. So, okay. So it's Yurich. It's like church. Yurich. Okay. Yeah. But a lot of people say Yurich and I don't ever really care. Okay. Well, I got there and went, oh, uh uh-oh, I forgot to ask her before we started. So now everybody knows, and I'm sure that many of the listeners have heard of you either um, because you've been on the podcast, but more than likely because they've heard of A Thousand Hours Outside, which has just really, really just sort of it has just been spreading far and wide, and I'm just so incredibly grateful. So I'd love it if you'd tell us a little bit about your background, your family, and The Thousand Outside thousand hours outside movement, because there might be some listeners who aren't familiar with it. Sure. My background is I am just a mom and there is no big background here. I'm actually a mom that's not very good at it. You know, I'm just not, I'm not, you know, like I'm looking around and I'm in this small little spot where I do a podcast, but like, if you look beyond, it's a mess and Mm -hmm. I'm not super good at the meal plan. Like actually tonight we're supposed to have the crock pot chicken, but I I didn't put it in the crock pot. So that's not going to happen. I'm already too late. (laughs) I've already missed my window. Um, And so that's what I tell people. I am a mom that's got the pile of laundry and, you know, but I love this. I mm. love this. We homeschool. We have five kids. We're in a really sweet spot of parenting. Our kids are ages 15 to seven. So mm. I'm saying like we're out of the diaper stage and also not to the driving stage yet. So we're still together. <laughs> yes. We're just like a little, uh, like a half a year longer mm. I've got in this really sweet spot of parenting. But my story is that I, I really struggled when our kids were young and I was excited to be a mom was really looking forward to it. And then I just kind of fell flat on my face. I mm. had a hard time with that transition actually for many, many years because I wasn't quite sure how to manage our days. And kids have a lot of needs. And I went from feeling like this person that was good at life to feeling like this person that was awful at life mm. from one day to the next. And then it just stayed that way. And sometimes I felt like there are just no answers. Like I cannot find the answer that I'm looking for. I really want to enjoy this time, but I am not. I am like in despair mm. is really how I felt. You know. Mm-hmm. Every single day. And I'm like, I don't even want to go to bed because I'm going to have to be up through the night. I'm going to be exhausted in the morning. These kids are going to need me and I just don't have what it takes. And Mm -hmm. so my story is that my whole life changed in one day. That was it. One day went from absolutely drowning to thriving 
with one experience. And the experience was I went outside for four hours. That's it. That's the whole story. Uh, I was, I did it because a friend at Mops had told me about Charlotte Mason. Now, Charlotte mm-hmm. Mason, obviously, if you've got a homeschool, uh, mainly homeschool audience, I think a lot of people have heard of Charlotte Mason. But when my kids were little, I had not heard of her. I didn't know who she was. I didn't know she was from the 1800s. I mean, like she is out of date, right? You right. know, by any regular standards. But I didn't know that. I didn't find it out till years later. So I think had I known that, I might not have really listened. I probably right. wouldn't have listened at all. Who is this woman from the 1800s? But her educational philosophy, so many of them have stood the test of time. Mm-hmm. Now I know, but I didn't mm-hmm. then. And one of the things that Charlotte Mason says is that kids should be outside for four to six hours a day whenever the weather is tolerable. Thankfully, she gave that caveat because we live in Michigan and some people live in places where there are seasons where it's extremely hot or extremely cold. It's not very tolerable. So she gave that caveat. But the point is, is that that is a long period of time, mm-hmm. four to six hours. And I had never heard anything like that in my entire life. I just would look around and see all these programs that were offered for, through the library, through the recreation department, through different mom clubs, and everything was, you know, 30 minutes or 45 minutes. And I think the problem is, is that whenever you take a child to do anything, you're trying to pass the day if you're at home with your kids, how do you fill that time? If you take a child to do anything, it is a massive amount of work. You know, you're having to pack up everything. You're having to pack up them. It's this transition time. Do you have the right food, the right diapers, the right clothes? If they spit up, if they have a diaper blowout, you know, do you have all of these things and you would do all this work? And the payout was only a small sliver of your day. And often that part was even hairy too. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember trying to take kids to swim lessons and it's like, well, the kid that wants to get in the, you know, is supposed to get in the pool, won't get in the pool. But the other kid who's not supposed to get in the pool, they want to get in the pool. So they're (laughs) crying. I mean, and you're just like, your blood pressure is truly through the roof and it's only 10 a.m., right? Right, You still have so much of the day left. So that's kind of how I was living on a day-to-day basis until this friend of mine at Mops said, hey, let's try this four to six hour thing. And I just, what I assumed would happen happen was that it would be like those smaller programs times eight. You know, Mm -hmm. it would be awful times eight. And (laughs) I just was expecting it to crash and burn. And the only reason I went was because I was also desperate to have friends. Mm -hmm. Right. right? There's a lot of things going on in these early years. So I said I was going to go and we're going to meet at this park. We're going to meet at 9 a.m. We're going to stay till 1 p.m. And all we're bringing is food and a picnic blanket. Mm -hmm. that's still kind of hard to pack up, but it's less than toys and we don't need books. And I kind of thought, well, what, what is everyone going to do? And here we meet up and I tell people that it was the best day of my life because it was the first good day that I had as a mom. Mm, I love that. I'm going to read a paragraph, right? That you wrote in the book, right at that point, okay? Mm -hmm. Because it's just so well said. It says, what I quickly learned is that I had been searching for the answers I needed in all the wrong places. Nature and empty space set aside for playing became my saving grace. They offered a solitude to the overwhelm, overstimulation, and guilt that clouded my life. To go from barely surviving to thriving in most facets of life usually takes considerable time and effort, but sustainable change happened for myself and our kids with just one simple shift, prioritizing play. Mm. I just thought that was so powerful. And you, you know, you went on to talk about how, um, how life has changed and, um, 
And I think that's something that we really need to step back and get some perspective because so many things have happened so quickly that, you know, with te- the way technology is and everything, um, everyone's just kind of like our heads are swimming. Moms are feeling, um, like you mentioned, just feeling um, unqualified, feeling off. And, and what is it about our culture that makes so many new moms and seasoned moms feel that way besides the the rush of it all. What what other things do you think cause that? Well, I just had no idea what to do, Dorenda. Mm. And what an interesting thing that I learned what to do from someone who lived in the 1800s through a friend at Mops. I mean, I don't, I always look back and I think, and I think this happens in a lot of our lives where we have these situations where it's very happenstance. I think like, what if I would have been put at a different mob's table? Mm-hmm. What if this friend wouldn't have been willing to share? Or she wouldn't have been reading ahead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, where would our life be? And so it just seems like there's not much direction. And part of it, I think, is because when when generations passed were parenting, society was set up in a way that protected childhood. Mm-hmm. This is mm-hmm. really a key point and a key even message in the book it is. is that- it, it wasn't on the parents' shoulders to limit screen time and to in, to ensure that their kids were playing and had downtime. It was woven into society because the cartoons turned off at a certain time and because on Sunday there was nothing to watch on TV. And I remember being annoyed. I remember right. being frustrated by that and being like, oh, mm-hmm. I just want to sit around and watch TV, but there's no option. And so today, the parents have to put up with the fact that there is this onslaught of content and they have to be the gatekeepers. Right. They have to right. be the ones that say no. They have to put up the fight every single day. And it is a tall order. Mm-hmm. So that has really changed the way that society is structured and who does that fall on. And so when we were kids, if there's nothing on TV on Sunday, that's true for every single child. Mm-hmm. That means that those kids are out in the neighborhood. That right. means that you can find a playmate. That means that someone can come knock at your door and you're going to go do something outside or inside or whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And that is a very, very big change Mm -hmm. in terms of Mm -hmm. parenting. And so I think we struggle because the parents in generations past who did allow for, and that's the wrong phrase, who, but it was just how life was. These kids who got to play outside, no one thought about it because no one had to put any effort in. No one had to even know about it. It was just what kids did. And so what has changed is that all of a sudden there are so many more things that vie for our time and things that actually are very worthwhile, like different extracurriculars, different sports, they're they're worthwhile in a nutshell. But when Mm -hmm. they take up the whole of childhood, that's when we start to see problems. And so I think because no one ever had to talk about it until all of, or even think about it until all of a sudden it's a problem. We have a lot of moms like myself who are kind of lost with how to structure their days. Right, right, exactly. And so you, I believe God in his providence had you at that table, <laughs> most definitely. And and then that shift happened for your family, but you had to make choices. And um, there's a couple of uh, sentences that you said in in, in uh, uh, towards the end of your book that I thought I think really fit well into what you're saying here. You said the life that I've always dreamed of requires me 
of me, a daily surrender, a purposeful laying down of an Instagram worth home so we can fit abundance into our daily routine. Determining what you want most for your family may mean you have to drop other things that you also want for your family, but that you want less. And so you're describing those things that are all possibilities. Um, I like that that phrase that says, um, uh, that saying that says, just because we can do something doesn't mean we should do it. Mm. And so I think what you're talking about throughout the book is just this shift in priorities in saying, we're going to go for, we're going to shoot for what brings life into our family. And I think the overall theme of the book, um, which I love, is basically there are a lot of parenting struggles and a lot of homeschooling struggles that can be alleviated through allowing for copious amounts of playtime, unstructured playtime outside. Absolutely. And I think you did a beautiful job of making that argument in the book. Um, I I, I was, uh, moms, I was talking, telling Jenny before we started this, um, recording that um, I am terrible at finishing books. I'm great at starting them, maybe getting halfway through. I'll get, I'll get some good nuggets and then down it goes and I'm on to the next one. And so, but this book I read from cover to cover quickly, <laughs> actually read it quickly. And uh, just because I just kept you know, as a mom who's all these years down the road and looking back, this is something that we implement in, into our lives. And um, not really knowing what the outcome would be. And and so it's such a beautiful thing to be hearing someone speaking the truth like this in our culture, into our culture where there is so much confusion about what a healthy childhood should look like, what, what education should look like. And I love that you dove into that topic as well, um, into like, let's, let's step back and think about what is education really? What is it actually? And what do our kids need down the road? Um, and, and so before we like dive into that, um, I want to just um, point out that one of the things you talked about is um, just, and you just mentioned this a, a few minutes ago about re- sort of like a re- return to yesteryear where generations of kids played outside, unsupervised, without structure. And I think there are a lot of reasons that our culture has shifted away from this. Can, you mentioned a couple. Do you have any other uh, reasons that you think? Because I think it's important to identify what got us here. Right. So the big factor, one of the big factors is this increase in screen time, obviously. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that screens are available and they're ubiquitous and they are available in so many different forms constantly from Netflix to Hulu Plus to YouTube to mm-hmm. social media to video games to virtual reality, all of those things. So that did not exist before. But the other piece that I think is also a big one, I think maybe started with um, the race to the moon mm-hmm. at, at its core, but has slowly progressed through the No Child Left Behind and Head Start type programs mm-hmm. that have made childhood feel like it's this race. Mm-hmm. I mean, even those words that, you know, you need a head start that, um, and and even if the sentiment behind the programs, and I'm sure that it was, was a good sentiment and meant to be helpful, when we start to insert language like no child left behind, it makes you feel like your child can be left behind. And so right. it puts a lot of pressure on parents to make sure that their child is is caught up and can earlier. It's this message really of earlier. If, if childhood is a race, 
then my best bet is to take their little toddler legs and get them going as fast as they can, right? (laughs) But childhood is not a race. Childhood is this beautiful unfolding of a person. And that is the difference. And so we have to be very leery of taking all of their time because the problem is, is that in generations past, although this is not how childhood was structured, it may have worked to have a more systematic childhood because the jobs of yesteryear Mm -hmm, lasted longer mm -hmm. and the skill sets lasted longer, but they don't anymore. Mm -hmm. And so we have kids that are entering into a world, and I know you have adult children, Mm -hmm. and here we are, Dorenda, as adults who have career pivoted ourselves. You know, I have a podcast. A podcast didn't even exist. It wasn't even a word when I was a kid. So we have kids that are entering into fields that, We don't even know what they're going to be. And we have kids that are going to have a lot of jobs. It's not like they get to work for 30 years with the same coworkers and the same skill set and change a little bit and shift a little bit and then retire. It's like, no, they are going to have a lot of jobs. The the current statistics say four jobs within the first decade out of high school, maybe the first decade Mm -hmm. out of college, like, you know, that first decade of adult life, four jobs. Well, that's a lot to learn. That's a lot of pivoting. And I loved what you said at the beginning. And you've said this too, like you sent your kids out and, and we went out with our kids and a lot of it was for ourselves, Mm -hmm. but what a cool thing, the way that God made it, Mm -hmm. his yoke is easy and his burden is Mm -hmm. light Mm -hmm. is that this gives benefit to everyone. It's not at the expense of our kids. So Mm -hmm. if you're pulling your hair out with your homeschooling and you say, oh, I am so overburdened and I am so fearful and I'm really struggling and you say, okay, I'm going to set aside some of this stuff and we are going to commit to going outside for a couple hours most days Mm -hmm. and maybe meet up with some friends or something like that. That is not at the expense of your child. That is actually setting them up for so much future success in this rapidly changing world because Mm -hmm. it's helping at the very foundational level, it's helping with their brain development. Right, right. So you have kids that are going to be quicker learners, that are more adaptable, that are more creative, that are more resilient, that have grit, that are fine with risks, that get along with other kids. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like a check, 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 check. Now, this isn't anything that you can really measure, but these are are the main skills that kids are going to need in a world that all of a sudden comes out with chat GPT and a whole field of people who write for a living, you know, might be upended. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. there's a lot going on there, but what a gift, what a miracle that it works for everyone. Yes, it is. And you know, the thing that I find interesting, what was super fascinating about your book is, is, is how you explained in detail what our kids are learning. I mean, and it's just the tip of the iceberg, but why when they go outside, they're learning resilience, they're learning problem solving, there's learning all of these things. So I encourage you moms to read the book because I think it will just add to um, this very strong and valid argument that our kids do need to be outside. And one of the things that, you know, I, I needed my kids to be outside in the afternoons. They needed to be out there. But I remember when I made that decision with my husband, and we were deciding we were going to homeschool. And we had decided before we even got married that we were going to homeschool. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons was because we both had the childhood that you described, where, yes, we went to school, but we didn't have copious amounts of homework. 
Um, I went to a school out in the country. So there were days that I walked home from school down these dusty paths by these uh, irrigate the irrigation running into the the rows of cotton. And I just, I will never forget that. Like, it's just a memory that's planted in my mind. And when I get stressed and overwhelmed by life, I can actually go back to that place in my heart and mind and just have this sense of calm. And I wanted my kids to have that as well. And I also knew that just kids needed playtime. I was like, okay, if we send them to school and they have all this homework, when do they get to build bike ramps? When do they get to build forts? When, you know, and like they need time for that. They're going to be exhausted by the time they get home. And I was like, I don't want that kind of life for them. I want them to be able to be kids. And so um, that also meant that I had to set aside other people's expectations, um, even traditional school setting ideas because we didn't spend as much time in the books as we would have if they would have if they were in school. And I had to be willing to say, this is enough, you know, mm-hmm. and look at my kids and, and gauge from their faces, their expressions, their body language, their responses, how they were doing. And they were thriving with all the playtime. And um, and now as adults, um, I have gotten to hear them repeatedly just tell me I wouldn't be able to do the four jobs that I do right now. Because I have kids who are very, de- they have careers and things that they're doing, but they're de- a couple of them especially are really diversified in what they do. Mm-hmm. And that's how they bring their living in and they wouldn't want to do just one thing. They love doing three or four mm. things. <laughs> and wow. that's all started back when I said, go outside. And I didn't over-resource them with a bunch of stuff. It was like, okay, mm-hmm. here's a tarp. Let's see if we can find some wood. Here's some nails and hammer, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. find what you can and make it work. And they did, you know. Um, right. Right. And so one of the things that was said in your book, um, this uh, Dr. Madeline Levine, she has a, you, you quote her several times, she has wonderful things to say, but she says the vast majority of adults who consider themselves successful have had winding, what I call squiggly life paths. And then you said in a rapidly changing world, we are preparing our kids for the squiggle. And since we don't know what that squiggle will look like, our best bet is to live life with gusto, to make it what we want instead of having it dedicated or decided to us by those who will profit off of our fear. And I just thought that was absolutely such a strong truth because we are constantly being marketed to, constantly. Yes, absolutely. And so you saying, look, we do not have to listen to this. We can break out of the mold and we can do what brings life to our families. And another thing that you mentioned when it came to marketing, you said that we, you know, you said without a doubt, you likely view yourself in many ways. You are a parent, a child, a friend, an employee, a cousin, and more. Portions of corporate America give you another role. They see you as an impediment to making money and refer to you as purchasing friction since you hold the purse strings for a toy industry that brought in close to $300 billion in the U.S. in 2021. Talk about an eye-opener that mm-hmm. I knew that that was the case. I uh, My son has actually talked to me many, many times about this. Um, he does all of my editing and he does a lot of research himself. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then also I listened to that episode that you did. I think it was with... Um, Oh, I can't remember. Was it John Payne? We were talking about 
uh, how he snuck into a conference. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Into a marketing conference. He couldn't get into a lot of them because people knew who he was. Mm -hmm. Um, But he went in there specifically to listen to what are they saying about marketing their their products to children. And that was my big thing that I walked away from with that, uh, from that episode was we are not their friends. They don't like us because we're the ones who keep the children from having the toys that they're trying to sell. Mm-hmm. That's and right. That- and it's the same for sports. I mean, that is another thing too, that mm-hmm. there's this fantastic book. So Kim John Payne, he talked about the purchasing friction. Susan, Dr. Susan Lynn talks about it quite a bit in a book called Who's Raising the Kids? Is it big mm-hmm. business? You know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. who is actually raising our kids? So she talks about that. But Kim John Payne has another book that he co-wrote with a man named Luis Fernando Yosa that I probably wouldn't have picked up except that I just love those authors. And it's a phenomenal book. It's one of my favorites. It's called Beyond Winning. And it's about youth sports culture, which has become also very time consuming. Mm-hmm. Like sports are fun. It's fun for kids to play pickup games. It's fun for them to have friends on a team. But you know, when it's every single night of the week or several nights of the week and it's the weekend and you have to go away on these different tournaments, that type of thing. And what they said in the book was, this is upholding someone's salary. So mm. they need it to be year round. They need it so that you come in for the clinics and you come in for the preseason, whatever. And it didn't used to be like that. And the Mm -hmm. reason is because maybe the coaches were more volunteer. It was just a community thing. Well, now there are these huge structures, these huge places, these sports complexes, and they have an operating budget and they have to get people in. There's another author who writes about it too, named Linda Flanagan, and her book is called Take Back the Game. Her book is fascinating too. I love those books. But, you know, it is important to take a step back and to say, okay, is this really the decision that I want to make or am I being pressured into it by someone who is going to make some money off of it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly. There's so much out there that's that's oh, portrayed as doing something in your favor, doing you a favor. And the reality is it's not actually doing you a favor. It's doing them a favor. And I hate having to be that cynical, sarcastic person, but it, it really is true. And I think what what I, I guess what I really want to bring this back around to is simplicity. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that um, we have to, as parents, fight for our children to have a simple, healthy childhood that involves um, just the normal things that of yesteryear, you know, looking back, like what did... We, we talked about this, but what, what, how did kids grow up? And so I think that going back to that, implementing that, and basically what we're doing is we're prioritizing. Um, there's a, there's a quote that I love. It says, uh, more isn't always better. Sometimes it's just more. Mm-hmm. And I think that if we can dial back um, the expectations, we can simplify and recognize that God has given us the outdoors. He has given us nature is such a blessing in so many ways. And you talk about in the book, just how nature feeds our souls. You talk about uh, daylight and what uh, just the, the science behind the light that comes into our eyes and how important it is to be, to get outdoor light, the difference between outdoor light and indoor light. So there's just so much great information in here. And it really just comes comes down to um, being willing 
to do what's best for your family mm-hmm. and and understand that by doing that, um, you are actually preparing your kids for yes. their future. And I think that's an argument you make really, really well. And you mentioned it just a few minutes ago, how just having to pivot. And I watch my own kids as adults. So they're all pretty much in their 20s and early 30s. And I watch how they can pivot, how they can take something and how also their discernment, like when something Mm -hmm. comes at them that's new, they immediately like can dissect it and do all this stuff with it that I'm like, how do you do that? You know? (laughs) And it's, it's so amazing. And I think that's something you also talk about in the book, like trusting in your kids, um, honoring, just honoring their childhood, but honoring also that they have this immense ability to self-educate. Mm, yeah, it's, it's incredible how much they can teach themselves. In fact, I, I know to this day that all that my kids learned on their own, I will never be able to know mm. how much of that you know, I can't, I can't uh, measure it. I think that's a, a, a phrase you used in there. Like you right. can't measure it because it's so, it's so deep and so broad. And yet you see them thriving, you know, um, both mm-hmm. in being outside, but then also as they become adults, you know, I'm kind of looking at it from the other end, seeing how right. they loved that. I watched them. They were, they were, life was being breathed into them by being out there. I knew it was good for them. And that was, that had to be enough for me at the time. Mm. Now I'm down the road and I'm looking at them and I'm just still completely blown away at how much they love learning, how quickly they pivot on things, how ready they are for, for what's going on in our culture and that kind of thing. And I'm feeling a little run over myself (laughs) as I'm getting older. I'm like, can I just hide out over here? I'm just going to go play with the grandkids. Well, there's so much rapid change and it is actually hard to adjust to. And so if you have a child who has been adult directed their whole childhood Mm -hmm. or a majority of it, they don't develop the skills they need to determine when they're going to take a risk, how to make decisions. And it's neat to see from your perspective as Mm -hmm. having older kids that that this works and Mm -hmm. it works for a lifetime because they are creative, innovative people. And that does not stem from a worksheet. It only stems from when we're outside. I remember you told me they would make whole worlds out there. They would have currencies. Mm -hmm. And I mean, what deep thought and executive function to take a story from start to finish, to be able to have a story that maybe weaves through months or years Mm -hmm. and to fall back into that play. These are actually very important skills. And I think when we take a step back, we don't really watch our kids play very often because if they're playing, then you've got six minutes to try and do something else. Exactly. But if you do watch, you see the brilliance in it. And also you realize, I don't even know if I could do that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I could be that imaginative. And I want to circle back because you said this cool thing and it has stuck with me actually, I think from our very first conversation, when you were talking about like, what do you remember from your childhood? And here we are as homeschool moms and we are in the weeds and we are trying to provide these really special things for our kids. Maybe it's special crafts and it's muffin tin lunch and it's all of these, you know, holiday parties or, and we're putting in all of this effort. And you and I talked about what was a favorite moment from your childhood that was outside. And you talked about those dusty paths. Mm-hmm. You said there was the irrigation tunnels and the and the water was so cold and I would walk barefoot and I would take my shoes up and the 
and the sand, the billy, it would mm-hmm. billow up mm-hmm. around me as I walked home on these on these dusty paths. And I don't think that any mo- any mother would <laughs> would ever think if they were to project and say, right. "What would my kids say?" Is their favorite, yes. you know, just a, a deep and um, a, an abiding memory, one that has stuck for decades. It's these simple things, and so we have a lot of pressure on ourselves. I would say that everybody who answers a question of what was a favorite outdoor thing from your childhood or the vast majority, it's just these simple things. It is. Kids want to have a little freedom. They want to have a little autonomy. They want to have really some time to think, Mm -hmm. to be by themselves and to have this introspection, you know, at certain ages. And when their lives are so full, they don't really get any of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's a good reminder for the simplicity and to know that, those little things really can have a big impact on them for a lifetime. They really can. And, and, and not even just um, good memories to go back to. Our kids are learning. Um, they're, the thing I noticed about my kids having a lot of playtime was how much they taught themselves, mm-hmm. how much learning was actually happening. And, and again, much of it I, I couldn't even comprehend or measure but you could see it was happening. Like you could see the wheels were turning, the gears were going, and um, and just how much margin mattered. Having margin in their days, time to have their own thoughts, time to see their ideas all the way through to the end, and not be hijacked because we got to get in the car and go somewhere. You know, right. it's like they could they could do that interest until it was no longer an interest. They had exhausted that and learned everything they possibly could from it for that season. Maybe they would go back to it another time, but it, and this is the thing, our kids are intuitive this way. They know when they're done with something. And so many times um, when it comes to educating our kids, we have this adult version of education that we think is better for them. Mm. And in the, in the, at the end of the day, the truth is most of the time, much of the time, they actually know better than we do. Yeah. And um, I say that with fear and trepidation because I never want a parent to think, I'll just let them run wild and never do it. You know, obviously we're going to teach them manners. We're going to teach them boundaries. We're going to teach them how to work, those kinds of things. But so much of that does come intuitively if you're watching your child and you're taking advantage of, you know, you know your child and you're like, okay, I think he's ready for this and we can we can try this on and see if he likes it. And, you know, so we're there for some guidance and for some resources. But if we're really going to let our children thrive, I think there's a lot of it that needs to be just initiated by them and mm. and seen through by them. I would ask my kids, okay, you got this great project going on. Do you need anything from me? Do you need, um, do you need me to buy anything? Do you, and you know, they, they rarely needed me to buy anything. Every now and then it'd be like, yeah, we could use some duct tape. <laughs> uh, I can do that. I can get duct tape, you know? And so I would make sure, but they loved just resourcing their own stuff. Mm-hmm. And, but that's, you know, that's kind of, we lived way out in the country. There was a, you know, there w- it was a setting where we couldn't run into town for everything. And so I think in many ways, a, a parent could feel like they were a bad parent because of that, because we didn't have the conveniences. But I think the thing I went back to over and over again is like, God has put us here. This is the place that he has mm-hmm. chosen for us right now, at least to homeschool our kids. So what can we, how can we benefit the most from what we have? 
not mm-hmm. trying to grab for something we don't have, but look at what we do have at homeschool from that place. Oh, I love that. And, and I, I, go ahead. Well, I would say my favorite book about that subject that really changed my life is a very short one by John Holt. And it's called Learning All the Time. I love that one. Oh, it's such a good one. And it's so short. So if you're a homeschool mom, it's like your it's like your first book, right? Right. <laughs> like you put out this book that's short, that it's, it's doable. Like you can yes. actually read it. Yes. And the subtitle is How Young Children Learn to Read, Write, do arithmetic and investigate the world without being taught. Mm -hmm. And it's very eye-opening because what you're saying is that part of the whole process too is learning how to learn for mastery. Like how do you know when you've actually exhausted a topic and you're ready to move on? And so if a child can learn how to do at least some of that on their own, Mm -hmm. that's going to help them for anything that they want to learn in the future. I love... Uh, Angela Hanscom has a quote in her book, Balanced and Barefoot, where she says, as adults, we think we know what's best. Mm -hmm. But she says, but the child's neurological system begs to differ. Mm -hmm. Like they really are driven on to learn completely how to crawl, learn completely how to run, learn completely, and then try something harder. Mm -hmm. And so I think the, when, when we take a step back and we don't, always intervene. We just intervene some. Then you learn to trust that and you learn to trust your kids. And it's this sort of natural, very slow handing of the baton that says, I'm making all the decisions right now, but slowly I'm handing the control. Mm -hmm. I'm handing the trust to you as you learn to trust and control your own body. Mm -hmm. And then I think and I'm not quite there, Dorenda, we're getting close, that the transition into adulthood is so much easier because you have had 17, 18, 19 years of practice of letting them fly. Yes, yes, that is absolutely true. That is absolutely true. And when you are with your kids and you, um, we mentioned, you mentioned earlier, watching them. I tried to watch my kids without them knowing that I was watching Mm -hmm. them because I felt like, I was going to see the authentic people that they were. Um, because, you know, you said this in your book, when adults are around, the play play changes, you know? Yeah. And so there is an element of letting them just, like our kids had each other, so they would be out often doing things together and just watching their interactions, watching what they were how they were creating, what they were coming up with and all of that. I think that's one thing I I encourage moms to do is just to be a student of your children. It it helps Mm -hmm. you know where they are, what they're interested in. Um, when, when my kids would come in the house, you know, from playing outside, I would usually be busy in the kitchen or whatever, but I would always ask them questions about what they were doing. And they were questions of interest. I wasn't interrogating them. It was more like, so, so what are you guys doing out there? And oh my Mm -hmm. gosh, that sounds so interesting. Um, you know, tell me more, you know, what are, what is so-and-so doing? Are you doing this? And, you know, how's that working? Um, you know, just, do you need anything? That kind of thing. And yeah. so thousands of those types of conversations. And I think because of those, I really did learn that my kids, it was affirmed what I already knew. My kids were smart, right? Yeah. <laughs> my kids were smart and, and every kid is smart in their own way. Yeah. They don't all have the same kind of smart. And so just learning, watching that unfold, I guess, is such a gift and such an honor. And it's not a burden because it's not requiring me to make anything happen. It's just requiring me to be observant, to let go, to give them margin, to 
be present, you know, when, when needed and engaged when needed and then stepping back when needed. And uh, yeah, just love it. Oh man, there's so much more we could talk about, but um, I just want to encourage moms to uh, go and find your book. Can you let them know where they can find um, until the street lights come on? Absolutely. So it is available, I think most places where you buy your books. So Mm -hmm. they sent a list of places. It's like, you know, Barnes and Noble and Mm -hmm. Amazon and christianbook.com. And then the book publisher is Baker Bookhouse. They tend to run some little deals sometimes, so you can get it there as well. And eventually we'll have it on our website, but we don't right now. Um, But I think, I don't know, I hope it's like in a store. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's probably on on Amazon. Yeah, sure. sure. You you hope that, you know, I just actually in our little town where we live, went into the bookstore recently and they had one of my books and I was like, oh my goodness, what a thrill to see it there. So, you know, you hope that it ends up, you know, maybe in someone's local sure. book shop, yes. you never know. So, yes. um, Until the Streetlights Come On, it's really a beautiful book too. So mm-hmm. heading into the holidays, I think it would make a nice gift. It's real, it's a pretty one. So It is, it um, is. I love the cover. It's yeah, very and peaceful. It's, it's got everyone, um, a bunch of people submitted like their favorite things to do outside with their mm-hmm. family. And there's like mm-hmm. 500 of those on the inside front yes, and back cover. So I some saw that. cute little elements in there. Very fun. Very fun. Awesome. And we'll make sure we include links to your website so people can check out A Thousand Hours Outside. Um, But before we close, I want to share another little section of the book because I think this was absolutely my favorite. It's hard to find a favorite part of the book because (laughs) I loved so much of it. But this was just, I was actually (laughs) walking around telling all my kids about this and they'd come in the door and I'd be like, you got to hear this, you know? (laughs) All right. So it says in 1968, NASA was looking for a way to identify their most creative work workers so that they would know who to pick out of their large set of employees to tackle the toughest problems. Dr. George Land and Beth Jarman were contracted to create a test that would accurately measure the qualities NASA was looking for. The test calculated the ability of a person to look at a problem and come up with innovative solutions, and it worked remarkably well to help NASA find who they were looking for. Because the test was so simple, they decided to give it to a group of children who were around the age of five and were representative of the general population of the United States. 98% of the children, 98% (laughs) fell into the genius category of imagination. The five-year-olds were tested at age 10 in just five short years. 68% of them had lost their creative genius status. Mm -hmm. Another five years went by and another 18% were out of the category. In a span of one decade, the level of innovative brilliance had dropped by a whopping 86%. Then the researchers tested over a million adults with an average age of 31 and found that just 2% would match the creative force of almost every five-year-old. So you, and then Jenny, you go on to say almost every single one of our kindergartners is already a creative genius. We are selling each and every one of them short when we think that we know better and we fill all their time. We are taking from them uh, some of their potential. Where are their ample opportunities to let their creative genius shine? And so I just, that to me just blew my mind and made so much sense at the same time. Um, Beautiful. So, 
Uh, so moms, I encourage you to go pick up until the streetlights come on and you will be so encouraged. And I really believe uh, loads loads will be lifted. So uh, Jenny, thank you for being with us. Um, thank you for this beautiful work that you've done um, and for blessing us with your time. Aww, thank you so much, Dorenda, for having me on. We are friends, even though we have actually never met in person. <laughs> I hope the book brings a message of hope. That is my whole point. My message mm-hmm. of hope is that you can have an exuberant, full life today that you love that still prepares your kids for tomorrow. And that's the message of hope. And I so appreciate just connecting on this level with you about homeschooling and orchestrating our families in ways that we want to and we get to. And this is a beautiful art of building a family that we get a chance to have. And it really is such a gift. So, so thankful for all you do to encourage families to continue on their homeschool paths and to continue to be bold and brave, just like how you were things <laughs> differently and not necessarily look around and have to copy what everyone else was mm. doing. It's so encouraging. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's go ahead and uh, close in prayer. Lord, we just thank you so much for the opportunity to have this time together. Thank you for Jenny and the work that she's done, for her heart of encouragement, uh, for her willingness to take time to write this book and to share her heart with us, Lord, because I just, um, you're just sort of oozing throughout so much of what she's saying, Lord. And so we thank you again also for giving us nature, for giving us a playground for our children. And um, if we could maybe just see it as, you know, God in in so many ways, you educate our children as we send them out into this creation that you made um, as a blessing for us, um, not just to look at and wonder at, but also to learn from and to uh, grow our children in. So thank you for that. And uh, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for every mom listening, I pray that she uh, will be encouraged and uplifted and that you will just bring clarity to her heart and a vision for her family, Lord, as she moves forward from here. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 